Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of Rapping with Reef Bum. I'm your host Keith Burkelhammer. So on today's show, we are going to talk about dinoflagellates. And with me on the live stream tonight is Jason Mack, who is the admin of Max Reef, a dino support group on Facebook. Hey Jason, welcome to the uh, live stream, man. Hi, good evening. Thanks for joining us. It's a little, uh, Jason is uh, English, but he's been living in Holland. That's where he's uh, at right now for the last 25 years and so it's uh, it's a little late there right now, eleven o'clock at, at night. So we're we're gonna uh, I promise to uh, to be mindful of that, and, and we'll probably be on the live stream for for about an hour, and then you can get to bed. But um, <laughs> so just a little bit about Jason. He's been keeping reef tanks for about six years, and is helping been helping people with the uh, dinos for about three years before he decided to start his own help group. And before we get into the uh, discussion with with Jason, I just want to take care of a little business here. And thanks the show's sponsor, Marine Depot. This is the last show that they're going to be sponsoring. For those of you that don't know, uh, Marine Depot was um, purchased by Bulk Reef Supply. So Marine Depot is having an awesome liquidation sale. If, if you haven't taken advantage of it yet, do so because stuff is going fast. But I just want to thank uh, Marine Depot again for being a supporter of the show. And I'll uh, keep my fingers crossed for future episodes that we could find another sponsor. But I also want to thank you folks out there have been tuning in and watching i really appreciate that and and as always feel free to ask a lot of questions in the uh, in the chat and especially during this episode if you're battling dinos jason is the man he's a wealth of information and he uh he helps i don't know jason how many people do, a day do you help in your um facebook uh group would you say uh on average on average i don't know maybe 10 a day, maybe more. Wow. And is it like an ongoing thing where people, um, you know, are hitting you up questions the same people day after day, or is it you just kind of like go case by case? Uh, if they make a post, then we, we answer the post. But uh, yeah, I also get uh, private messages in Messenger where I'm uh, talking one on one with people. Gotcha. So um, right off the bat, I want to say that uh, you and I pronounce. Uh, dinos differently i pronounce them dinos and and you pronounce them dinos it took me a long time i was pronouncing them dinos for a very very long time and it took a lot of effort on my part to you know to to say dinos because that's what a lot of folks here in the u.s were, were uh, pronouncing it as but um i guess it just depends on where you live right yeah i guess it's just uh tomatoes and tomatoes yeah there you go. All right. So for the folks out there that are watching, I hope you don't get too too annoyed that we're pronouncing uh, this differently. But really two main topics here uh, tonight talking about uh, dinos is prevention and eradication. So, Jason, you've obviously had some experience with, with dinos. Did it happen with your first um, reef tank, and did you win that battle? It didn't happen with my first. It happened with my third tank. I started with a small 63 liter and then I went to a 100 liter and then I upgraded again to a 350 liter. And then uh, the tank was doing fine for about a year and a half and then I had a series of problems that I that led me to, to the point of having Dinos. And then I battled Dinos for I think uh, six or seven months. And I had two sorts in the tank at the same time. So how did how did you go about fighting uh, dinos? Were you um, you know just perusing the forums? Were you um, trying to you know get advice from local reef keepers? How how did you kind of uh, research up on the topic? Well, I, I suppose I started out on reef to reef, 
I've been a member on there for I think five five years or something now, and uh, they have a big thread on there, uh, battling with the uh, Dino Flagets, and uh, I got help from there first with the ID on which type I had, and then I went through the scenarios of yeah okay you need a UV, and then uh, I got rid of the Osteopsis using the UV and hydrogen peroxide the first time. And then uh, a few months later, I got them again, and they came back, and I had osteopsis and amphidiniums together. So it was, uh, uh, yeah, the, my head was in pieces, and uh, I think I almost quit twice because of it. I tell you, you, you there, there are definitely instances during uh, my reef-keeping career where I was like, the hell with this stuff, I'm hanging it up. And I actually did hang it up a couple of times, uh, just took a break for a year or two in the hobby. It, you know, it can get uh, it can get frustrating, and and um, you know, battling dinos is not easy. I mean, I've I've been in the hobby a very very long time, and um, you know, that's been one of the greatest challenges for me is to to um, try to get to get rid of dinos. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, dinos dinos are in every system. You know, they're part of the ecosystem. Only with the right conditions, they're going to flourish. Right. I mean, I've heard that. Can you explain that some more? So is essentially every tank has dinoflagellates. They're in, they're even in corals, right? Yeah, they're actually a zoanthalia, a, 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 a type of dino, dinoflagellates. So what happens when corals get stressed, probably more than likely it's from, from lights, then uh, if, if, if your trace elements aren't in line properly, then your corals can't deal with the antioxidants that build up in inside them, and essentially they what they do is they'll to protect themselves they'll expel the zoanthalia, and then the zoanthalia then morph or change into dinos to uh, to survive. Well, that's the current thinking anyway. So so if um if somebody has a a dino outbreak in their tank and they're trading frags or something like that or swapping corals is that something that that person should not be doing in, in terms of potentially transferring dinos from their tank to the other person's tank or does it not matter because everybody's tank has dinos and you're just essentially they'll, they'll show themselves when the conditions are right well what i'd say is it's 80 percent of dinos are, are expelled to athalia and the other 20 percent would be imported so that coming on fish or corals or rock or or algae even right so you you've already um kind of alluded to this uh, jason but there are many different types of uh, dinos and, and there's different ways you know and thus there's different ways to get rid of them some dinos are free floating and go into the water column at night while others kind of stay in the rock work and the sand the free floating type are easier to beat do you want to just kind of give us a quick summation in terms of the the different types of i know there's like so many different varieties of dinos out there, but what are the main ones that um, we as uh, reef tank hobbyists have to deal with? Well, actually, there's, I think there's something like 1,500 different types of dinos. Wow. And there's, I think marine velvet is also uh, from the dino family as well. Uh, but the five, the five that we get in, or we see in our tanks the most, is Osteopsis, which is a free-floating uh, ones. They're probably they're the most toxic and the most ugly from all the dinos, and they will cover everything from from wave makers, glass, corals, rocks, sand, uh, high and low in the tank. Uh, Coolia is also the other free-floating one. Uh, they're 
shorter strands and again all over the tank. Then you have um, Prorocentrum, and these tend to be uh, Prorocentrum are the second most toxic of the Dino types that we see, and they tend to be more on the sand bed or on the lower rocks only. Uh, then we have the Amphidiniums, the large cell and small cell. And the large cell are like a dusting on, the, on your sand bed, and they only really stay on the sand bed. And then uh, the, the small cell, they will go everywhere in the tank. So um, how did you learn about all this stuff? I mean, you, you just really became so engrossed in terms of your own issues and problems. You did a ton of research, and you just learn from that research and you had some success getting rid of them and is that kind of a, a good summation of how you became a um somebody that runs a, a dino support group on facebook well yeah, well yeah i just did a load of research on it and i was like i say i was on the on reef to reef and i was getting help from a couple of guys on there who, who i would say were, were, were my mentors over it they helped me with the ids and everything and then uh, I was also helping people on Reef to Reef with it, and I became more familiar with it, and I was d doing more. And uh, yeah, I, I from then on, I, uh, I think more people. I came into more contact with people, also on Facebook and in my own area where I was just helping people, and also my local, uh, my LFS, my local fish shop, where I help out sometimes, and uh, and I go in there and I'd. Uh, ID for, for clients there and uh, yeah it's uh, I, uh, I know I know how devastating it was for me and to think that I can maybe help somebody else get through it with the right information then then that's what I want to try that's what I try and do yep. I just try and help as many people as, as we can yep. because there's so many people who, who quit the hobby or even try and restart their tanks because of this and they lose you know you can lose so much money in fish in corals in in time in, in experiments in buying this or buying that treatment and uh, so what we wanted to do was put all the information on one site one one group where it, where it'd be available for everybody so we have a um we have somebody that needs a little uh, help or has a question. TP Plumber 217. I have Coolia in the sand, only nothing out of control now after one year of fight, but I only have one side of the tank lit up for some time now. How do I transition from this? Nutrients are very high, UV, etc. And he says the, uh, or she, the other side of the tank is unlit and clean, but I think it will explode when I reintroduce the light. Yeah, so for Coolia, uh, UV is best. And the ratio is one watt per three gallons. And we recommend that you set it up, temporarily set it up so that it's pulling and returning water from your display tank, which means you want a UV with a, with a hose and, a, and a, the pump going into your tank near the bottom of the sand or as near to the bottom of the sand as possible, and then returning back into your tank. And the flow is really, really important. And we recommend between one to three times your tank's volume, and prefer preferably the lower end of that every time. So let's let's talk about in terms of the location of the UV. You know, um, you and I were talking before um, before the show, or maybe it was uh, last week when we were, we were uh, chatting via Skype. 
that um, I told you that I, I had uh, a, a dyno outbreak in my 225 gallon tank and that I essentially eradicated them with, with UV, but I did put the UV in the sump. And I did have some, some dynos, not as many in the sump, you know, because there wasn't any, not, not a lot of light in that sump. But it, it did work for me. Are, are you just saying that it potentially could be more effective if um, you do put it in the display tank? And, and what's the difference, really? Because are you just trying to optimize the contact time with in the yep. area where you have the uh, the dynos? From from all the tanks that we've seen over the years and all the the posts that people have posted where people have said, yeah, I have the UV in the sump and it, it doesn't work. And, uh, you know, and we see the best results when the, the, the UV is temporarily set up in the in the display tank. That's not to say it won't work in the sump. I'm, for, out of my own, uh, from what we believe, it's like dinos don't really, for some reason, end up in the sump area. Hmm. Or they, they're not going through the system as much. Yeah, you know, I had, um, I've got some frag tanks in my sump room. <clears throat> and, what, you know, so they, they light up the sump for my uh, my display tank. And so that's that's why there was you know there is light presence in that sump so that's yeah. that's probably I'm assuming that's why I had the uh, the dinos in there, um, but yeah if if the UV did not work then I was prepared to move it to the uh, display tank but I was happy that it did because it's not easy in terms of kind of setting that up as a temporary um, you know thing on a display tank I guess you just have to make sure you have a good sturdy temporary mount set up. I, th I think also a lot of it has to do with the, the health of each individual tank. Some people will have a, a light outbreak of dinos, and only by uh, raising nutrients and dosing things like phytoplankton and copepods, it, it will also ease the dinos, or at least they, they, they see a, a big improvement with it. Right. You know, and, and mine were the uh, Osteopsis, right? Yeah. And and um, so it was bad, you know. I, they basically it it it, it was a, it's a bare bottom tank. They were covering the rocks. There was long strands of them on the uh, on the, the bottom of the glass on the tank. But essentially, what I did was I siphoned out as many as I could. I I did two day blackout, and then I also um, increased nitrates and phosphates because those had had pretty much nearly bottomed out. And then I ran the UV, and that whole combination really worked. But I know from our prior conversation, you said to me that blackouts are not necessary. Uh, we don't. I don't recommend them. Personally. You don't recommend them. Why Absolutely. is that? Well, you'll know yourself. You also you lost corals, and you only did a two-day blackout. I did lose a couple of frags. And you know, corals aren't happy. And essentially, when when your tank is 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 in the dark like that, biologically, it starts to shut down. Right. But, you know, I mean, what I've read and heard is that, um, you know, in in um, in the wild, you've got periods where there's storm systems that are coming through. And, and so there are natural points on the reef that, you know, in, in certain instances where they might not be getting sunlight for two or three days because of storms, um, you know. I imagine there's some sort of light getting through. It's not like it's in total blackness for uh, three days. Right. Um, Blue Reef is saying that I had good live rock that had beneficial bacteria that, that helped check my, my dinos. Yeah, dinos. That's now, now you got me calling it dinos. 
<laughs> Maybe I should just say Dino's for this live stream, and then I'll go back to the way I was called. You know, that way we're not hopping back and forth in pronunciation. I don't know. We'll see. The um, well, if we talk, if we talk about aluminium, then I'll say aluminum. All oh, right. Yeah. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> exactly. Um, the other thing that I started uh, to also do was um, dose some bacteria. I did not dose Microbacter 7, which I know a lot of people say, you know, had said to me that I should do. I, I started dosing the uh, Microbacter clean, and yeah. I understand that to be a less aggressive bacteria, but uh, even though I do have the live rock that I started the tank with, I, uh, I'm, I'm experimenting a little bit and, and dosing the bacteria. Is that something that, um, depending on the type of dinos well, that well, you have, that you should do, dosing, dosing bacteria? Yeah, dosing bacteria is always good as you're doing maintenance doses, but also don't forget something like Microbacter 7 is nitrifying and denitrifying bacteria. And this is also going to lower your nutrients. Right. And so if that's going on, do you recommend having to um, feed the tank more heavily or, or dose nitrates and phosphates? I think the most easiest and the most controllable way of raising them is with dosing. Because, I mean, you got right, you can turn your skimmer off. You can run your skimmer for 12 hours or turn it off 24 hours. You can feed more. And it all takes time, you know. And when you're... When you're at this stage, and you, normally we, at this stage, and you're you're dealing with dinos in a tank, you're having trouble keeping them nutrients in that water. So dosing them every day, or and checking them every day, and, and dosing them accordingly, is going to build help you build up quicker a buffer zone for it. Right. Um, what about the use of macro, like Cato? Should that? What Sorry? about the use of macro like Catamorpha? Should you stop doing that using the uh, Catamorpha while you're trying to battle the uh, the dinos? Oh, the Chato. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's another one. Chato, Cato. Cato. Wasn't he with? Wasn't that Bruce Lee? Cato. <laughs> right there, you go. That was his buddy. <laughs> <laughs> now, again, you know, it all depends on where your nutrients are. I mean, you don't want to have a, a, a big refugium with full of Chato if, you, if his nutrients are at zero because he's working too good. Right. Your system's too clean. But what about if the, 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 the dinos are absorbing all the nutrients? I mean, isn't uh, that a possibility that um, they're just sucking everything up? Well, are, you, are you fueling I, them by dosing nitrates and phosphates to try to get nitrates and phosphates up? That's not no. You know, no, you, they don't have, they're not living off nitrates and phosphates. That's why they can do so well in a system that has no nitrates and phosphates. Right. That's the time they thrive. Right. Um, Flipper's Reef is, uh, says hello to you there, Jason. And um, he's also saying, I've switched to dosing bacteria as a maintenance program, MB7 and MB Clean at each water change. Um, that's interesting. I'm going to actually have Jack Kent on from you know the CEO of Brightwells on a live stream I think it's going to be in in August and and I'm going to um I'm I'm very interested to talk to him because there's a lot of questions that I have in terms of MB7 and um Microbacter Clean I've heard though that you're not supposed to use both of those products together at the same time but uh, I'm not positive about that but that's that's a question that uh, could certainly ask him Well I'm in Holland so it's a, yeah it's hard for me to get Brightwell products Otherwise, I have to order them, especially from America. 
Right. So what are you using in terms of bacteria dosing? Uh, I use uh, micro micro lift uh, special blend. Who makes that? Uh, micro lift. Oh, micro lift. Okay. Never heard of those guys. So, European <laughs> uh, thing, I think. So, so, Jason, let's let's go back to UV sterilizers and talk about flow rates. You, you said that uh, you make a certain recommendation in terms of flow rates for a UV sterilizer, and um, yeah. you know, the UV sterilizer that I'm using for um, my hundred. 225 gallon tank is an aqua uv 57 watt sterilizer and i did not go below the recommended flow rate you know that the manufacturer recommended for that uh, uv sterilizer in in some cases are you recommending that folks go below what the manufacturer recommends as the minimal flow rate for a uv sterilizer to increase that contact time yeah is there any risk in terms of potentially damaging the unit and burning out the bulb if you go too low of a flow well your opinion no i don't think so i think it, um, so long as your uv is full so long as you've got it turned up so that he's he's full all the time then it shouldn't be a problem but, i mean if you've got it turned on its side and he's only half filling up because there's not enough flow then obviously you're going to run risks and another thing as well like running it slow some people say it, it does tend to uh increase the temperature of the tank a little bit right and 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 what um what should we be mindful in terms of the temperature of a tank with with dynos i've heard that um in some instances that could be a good thing in terms of having a, a temperature you know elevating the temperature to 83 degrees yeah that that's never been proven it's never been proven in my opinion i mean did i i remember the original post that came out with that a few years ago and uh, from what I believe, uh, the guy didn't even have, it turned out the guy didn't even have Dino's and he'd never had a positive ID on it. And uh, I've tried to replicate it with, with people on the group. I've asked people, I've said to them, the only thing I want you to do is raise the temperature on your tank and uh, see if it has an effect. And we see it in the post when people come on and they, they join and they say, okay, I've tried Dino X, I've tried uh, hydrogen peroxide. I've tried uh, Dr. Tim's waste away and, and everything, and nothing's had an effect. We've tried temperature raising. So for some people, it, 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 yeah, they say it works, and for some people, a lot of people, they say it doesn't. But there's no proof for it. So a couple more comments, questions from the chat. Uh, TP Plumber 217 says, um, when coming out of dinos, when and how should we start resuming water changes? It's been a year now. Laugh out loud. <laughs> oh yeah. Now, I I wouldn't say you have to stop water changes. People say you don't do water changes because normally they get a, a Dino outbreak or it seems to get worse after they've done a water change. But what we say to people is is try and use a salt, a salt mix with a low iron content, because we believe that iron in the salt in high salt mixes is what's feeding the Dinos. So you're uh, all right. So this is interesting because I know um, there's some folks out there that believe that if you dose iron, then that could be effective in terms of battling uh, dinos. But um, you're not totally on board with that, right? No. And, well, and let's and let's let's. I'm not, no, well, I mean, let's let's we let's talked about this. Yeah, case. let's back up a little bit. I think um, one thing that um, that you and I have talked about, and I and I know from your live stream that you had done 
that um, a key component of all this is to do an ICP test first to kind of see where yeah. you're at, right? Yeah. Because most of the times, or nearly all the time, we see tanks, when we ask people to do an ICP test, we see that the trace elements are off, whether one or a couple are high or, or there's a few missing. And this tends to be the underlying problems with the dinos in the tanks. With I think uh, with new, low, zero nutrients being a, the trigger. So I can't recall ever getting an ICP test back with any level of iron in it. Is um, is that is that a common thing that folks see? Is that they pretty much come back with an ICP test that has zero iron, or is that not common? And perhaps my tanks are uh, atypical. Uh, iron's not really one one we see. When you have iron, then you then I think you're looking for 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 rust in a tank. You know, that's this is the only time we really see high levels of iron is when something's rusted in a tank, and then you'll also see a rise in in the zinc and the, and the nickel as well. So so it's a type it's a type of iron that you're adding to the tank that's going to be the problem. So then when you and I were talking before, you, you basically said you need to do an ICP test, right, to see what your levels of iron are. What, what, are, what are people looking for? If they're seeing zero, does that mean dosing iron is okay to try to battle dinos? My advice would be never dose trace elements if you're not doing it on the recommendations of an ICP test. Right. So... Everything, trace elements is trace elements, and they're called trace elements because they're in trace amounts. The amounts that are there are so small that, yeah, really on your own, you'd think there was nothing, they wouldn't have any influx on it. But it's the balance and it's the ratio that they have in combination with the other trace elements. And this is what we need to correct. So you can have it a little bit higher if it's in balance with everything else. Or a little bit lower if it's in, if everything else is in balance. But in theory, if um, you just dose iron without any knowledge in terms of where you're at in terms of levels, you could potentially fuel the dinos, right? You'd have to you'd have to have had an, a dino outbreak to start that. And if you've already got a dino outbreak, then there's other issues in your tank that have led to that. Right, and 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 let's. Let's also um, talk about something that's very, very, very important. And you talked about the different types of, um, you know, dinos in terms of the uh, free-floating versus the not free-floating and the large cell versus the small cell. But step number one when somebody's got an issue is to get a microscope or at least send out a water sample to somebody that does have a microscope and get an idea on these things before you start willy-nilly just trying different things, right? Yeah, but I mean, there's certain steps that you can take before you get an ID or before you, yeah, before you get an ID and ID them. Firstly, you can uh, reduce your lighting, reduce the peak time to maybe five or six hours. You run more blues, less whites, uh, run activated carbon for the toxins to help take the toxins out of the water. You can dose live phytoplankton and copepods to help support the microbiology of your tank. Um yeah so and you can be cleaning it out before right sucking as much out as possible yeah so larry zardo had asked this question about the kind of uh, dino that you know battling and comment is after controlling dino my sand has completely black do you have any idea 
in terms of the kind of dyno. And I think the answer to that is you got to get you got to get a uh, a water sample. You got to you got to put that um, dynos under a microscope and exactly see what you're dealing with, right? Yeah, I mean sometimes um, I mean osteopsis is quite easy to recognize. We don't really need a microscope to to, to, ID, to ID that one. You see the long the long slit, the long strings, and the bubbles, and you see it all over in the tank. It's ninety percent sure that it's going to be osteopsis, but when they're on the sand bed, and then you know, like a protocentrum, have short strands and they tend to be more mat-like on the sand. So when you pull at it, if you try to pull it off, it it come up in a mat. But um, the, 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 and I, to get a positive ID is to make sure that it's only you know what you're dealing with. Right. It could be more. It could you could have two or even three. And we know people who've had all the dinos in the tank at the same time. Right. So what do you do if you're dealing with multiple varieties of dinos? You know, you've got different methods. So you've got some free floating. You've got, you know, the variety that that are sticking to the rocks and to the sand. Are, do you just, are you basically throwing everything but the kitchen sink at them in terms of things that you do to get rid of uh, dinos if you've got multiple? Well, the thing, the thing with that is, is like osteopsis and coolia, are probably the easiest to deal with and with the uv set up properly with the right kind of flow normally we see them gone in anything from three days to seven days and then you need to run we always we advise you run the uv for another couple of weeks after that still because uh, some dinos can turn into cysts and they can lay dormant and uh, and this sort of thing um so that's the quickest to deal with and seeing how osteopsis are the most toxic then these are the ones that we're going to tackle first because this is going to take the shortest amount of time. And when you talk, when you were dealing with prorocentrum of uh, amphidiniums, then we're talking, yeah, it can be from weeks to even months of, of dosing silicates. So we'll do the, the quickest ones first and then and the most dangerous ones or the, the most toxic ones, and then we'll deal with the other ones after. So you just can't. And also a UV, a UV will also inhibit diatoms growth. Because they're also free floating, they also go into the into the water column at night. So if you're going to be dosing silicates and you're running a UV, then you you're working against yourself. Yeah, you know I um I'm going to be running my UV moving forward 24/7. I just um I, I like what what they can do and um I, you know it's it's sort of like a preventative measure in in terms of um you know for the dinos, but I also like the <coughs> bless you, the uh, the water clarity. That it provides, and and um, you know, I just think there's a lot of positives that running UV on a reef tank versus uh, any negatives. And I think I don't really uh, believe that you're too at risk in terms of zapping beneficial bacteria because all those uh, beneficial bacteria should be in your rock and sand, right? Yeah, they're not free floating. Right. The good bacteria, or most 90% of the good bacteria, sits in your in your rocks and your substrate, and not not in the water. So um, I've got a theory and, you know, I've been keeping reef tanks for 25 plus years and, and I don't know, I think it was maybe six years ago was the first time I ever had dinos in, in one of my tank. And so this seems to be a relatively new phenomenon the past 10 years or so, I guess. But um, my theory is that the equipment these days is so efficient versus years ago. And, you know, you've got these high powered skimmers and roller mats in terms of really really good filtration so it makes it so easy these days to strip nutrients from the water 
and from the tank and opening the door for dyno since that is a um, you know something that that is a precursor for, for seeing dynos for many folks do you buy into that theory um yeah and i think also led lights have, have, have a big part to play in this explain that well let's say 10 15 years ago when everybody was running the uh, ultra low nutrient systems and they were using t5s and metal halides and there was hardly any dinos out there or it was very rare to come across a tank with dinos and then since we've had the, the explosion of, of, of technology with the LED lights, then uh, and now we have and we see that dinos are in a zero nutrient environments are thriving. It's a yeah, it's a simple connection to make. I think the lights are, 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 are you know are too 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 strong for for how we use them. I think. I mean, I you know. The, the couple of times that I've gotten dinos, I've, I've had them under the uh, the middle headlight lights. So um, I guess my question to you is that, um, you know, is it is it more about what people are doing with the LEDs in terms of cranking up that intensity that, you know, because they, they can really be, um, I don't want to use the word overdriven, but you, you can really generate a lot of par, right, with LED fixtures. Yeah. Well... Let me let me put it this way, Keith. I'm English, so I'm basically I'm milk bottle white. When I take my shirt off, you know you need to put your sunglasses on. <laughs> Just now, if I go out in the sun when it's at its most strongest, if it was like thirty degrees, and I went out and stood all day in the sun, I'd get burned badly, really badly. Right. But if I went out for an hour each day in the sun. And slowly built it up then there's a big difference and I think this is uh, you know one of the problems is that we're pulling corals from other tanks we put them in our straight away in our tank how many people are doing light acclimation with, with tanks everyone says okay we put them on the bottom first the corals and then we'll, we'll move them up and uh, and things like this but I think if you build up slowly then it's, it's okay but if you if you if it's too strong too soon too quickly, then you yeah this is where the problems are going to be. I think I think um, what I'm hearing is that it's it's some sort of situation where the where the coral of the tank is kind of getting stressed out, and um, yeah. you know for me, the couple of times that I've gotten dinos, it's been a, it's been an instance where I right, the tank is getting low in nutrients. I better start upping the nutrients, so I start upping the uh, feeding in terms of you know fish food and and coral food using amino acids or, or what have you, and I go heavy on the stuff. And in both those uh, cases, I had a, a, a dyno outbreak, and I think it was just because I, I did it too fast, and it was stressful to the system. Well, amino acids will also feed dinos, we believe. Right, so there's something in, in terms of that um, jump-starting a, a, a dyno outbreak. Yeah. Right, so if you if you have dinos, then um, pretty much you should stop dosing amino acids, stop dosing coral food, and just try to and you're you know what you said before reduce of, reduce carbon dosing as well. Reduce carbon dosing. This is also going to feed them. And, and use um, just dose nitrates and phosphates directly. Yeah. What about if it's needed? Right. What about um, 
live rock versus dry rock. You know, I think um, I'm, I'm of the belief that dinos are more prone to show themselves in a tank store to buy uh, dry rock because there's less biodiversity in the dry rock. I, uh, you know, I understand that um, if you're introducing, you're dosing bacteria with a, uh, a dry rock only tank, that that can um, overcome that uh, problem. But do you think one of the reasons why we've seen a lot more in terms of dinos, uh, there's a dry rock only tank? Yeah. And do you do you uh, do you think that's a valid point that um, since there's a lot more dry rock only tanks these days that that's part of the issue? I don't think so. No. I think how people start their tanks on how people are going through the cycle has something to do with it. Right. You know. This and, might and, tank, I, and I got dinos. Already... I got dinos in a live rock tank. Start a tank I started with live rock. Yeah. Exactly. If the if the if the conditions are right for them, they're going to thrive. Yeah, you know, and I, and I and I do think it was because of the um, the whole thing I was talking about in terms of having an equipment that's so efficient. I've I've got um, a very strong skimmer, um, and and um, yeah, I think it was just kind of an imbalance in the system in terms of feeding too much from trying to like overcome nutrients that had bottomed out. Uh, so Dan Sullivan, get crews from Elegance Corals in here. I don't know what that means. <laughs> so one, one thing that I had um, mentioned to you is that at one point I had a, uh, a frag tank that had dinos that showed up into it and it was, uh, it was plumbed into my established um, system. Now it was odd because I had a, I had dinos show up into the frag tank that was plumbed into the display tank. But dinos only showed up in the frag tank and not in the uh, display tank. But I had some, it, the display tank had sand and the frag tank was bare bottom. The only thing in that frag tank is um, egg crate. And yeah. it was, you know, new egg crate. Is, is that another thing that potentially can be a, um, something that jump starts dinos is to have something that is, um, you know, doesn't have any bacteria on it, and and will provo you know, provide a jumping off point for dinos or. Well, some some plastics will actually leach tin. Will that sh will that so, show up on an ICP test? Yeah. Okay. That should. Okay. So then we come back to that issue of like, you know, you get back to the trace elements and are the trace elements good, and in balance. For me, anyway, I don't. I don't think you know. Uh, I mean, you said it yourself. You have it in one tank. It's plumbed into the same system. It's in one tank, and it's not in another tank. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's kind of. It's the same for the sump with the with the with the UV being in the display or in in the sump area. It's like you see, you know, we don't see a vast amount of dinos in the sump area, but they're in the display. So, is it? Are they traveling through totally through that system? So. All right, we're getting more clarity in terms of the elegant corals method here. Lurie uh, Zardo says the elegant corals method recommended dose vodka with bacteria. Do you think is wrong, Jason? Uh, now I I know corals personally, and I'm also on on the other Dino group as well. I'm also a moderator on that group, and um, I, I personally I don't agree with with their system, and I don't. 
creating a bacteria blooming in a tank is dangerous if it's not done properly. And we know it because how many tanks have crashed because of because of bacteria blooms. So for me, it's like playing with fire. And I've been on that group also uh, for more than a year now, and even their regime doesn't work every time for every type of dinos. I've seen people lose corals, lose fish because of doing it, uh, doing bubble scrubbing, um, doing the regime four, five, six times and still having the dinos. It's, um, oop, that was my dog. <laughs> you all right, buddy? <laughs> um, I just completely lost my train of thought. So you've mentioned dosing um, silicates. What um, what is the best? Um, I mean, in, in 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 terms of the types of dinos that you're um, fighting, what would be the best instance to start dosing silicates? At what um, point would you be doing that? Uh, once you've had an ID that it's either prorocentrum or large cell or small cell amphis. That's that's when you would uh, dose the silicates. And and um, how do you know in terms of how much uh, silicates to dose? You got to do ICP tests to make sure that um, you're getting to that certain level that you need to be at. Well, the thing is, is like really you can't you can't crash a tank with dosing silicates. You can overdose a tank, but there's really there's no ill effects to dose overdosing silicates. Uh, one thing that will might happen is that your KH may, might rise slightly from it. Uh, so, and what we're trying to do is, we're trying to, trying to induce a diatom bloom that's gonna outcompete the dinos. Let's, let's talk about that, because I've heard that a lot in terms of dosing certain things to try to outcompete the, uh, the dinos. So like I've heard about dosing pods, I've heard about dosing phyto, you're talking about dosing um, silicates is um so you got to get your tank really ugly looking right to to try yeah. to create other algaes to out compete the uh the dinos basically it's like kickstarting your system again and basically what will happen after dosing the silicates is like normally we cycle in the tank you get the diatoms and then you then you get green hair algae and that's essentially what happens again so it's like like a kickstart yeah and and then it's just like uh all right then you've beaten the dinos and now you got another problem and now you you're fighting another problem maybe you've got some cyano that's um you know hanging around and you use chemiclean on it and i've heard people like all right well i've chemiclean to, to get rid of the cyano and now i've got dinos back again it just seems like it could be a vicious uh, circle in terms of trying to like fight one thing after another i hear uh, people get dinos after using vibrant i know i did yeah, you know what, I, I use fibrin. Again, Keith, again, it comes down to the health, the individual health of each tank. And it's hard for me to sit on the other side of a computer or the other side of a, uh, a telephone and see inside somebody's yeah. tank. And we're only getting the information that they're giving us. Right. I, um, you know, I, I really hesitate in terms of using, um, I'll, I'll call them chemicals. I, I don't know if um, fibrin is considered a chemical. Uh, I know there's Dino X that uh, is out there that people utilize. You know, what what are your uh, beliefs in terms of using those types of products to fight uh, dinos? Well, I did a podcast or I did a live interview with the owner from Fauna Marin last week, Claude Schumacher, 
and we talked about uh, Dino X and he explained the reason why Dino X came about. And that was because 10, 15 years ago in North Germany, they found a, a new strain of Dinos that had come out that was just so aggressive that it would turn the tank water brown. You could smell it when you walked into the room and it, it just basically killed everything within a few days. So Dino X was developed to tackle this kind of problem. And it, it's meant to be used as a last resort in a tank. And Claude will say to himself, before you use Dino X, do an ICP test and make sure all your trace elements are online. Right. So that your tank is able, your corals are able to, to work all the antitoxins and everything out of them. And they need to trick the, yeah, I think he called it the dynamic metals. So your zinc, your nickel, and that sort of thing. Uh, vanidium, molybdenum. Yeah, the first time that I uh, fought dinos, I, I did actually uh, end up breaking down the tank because I was throwing everything at them but the kitchen sink. But I hit them up with a lot of stuff, including vibrant. Then um, I got a serious case of cyano after the dinos went away. And then um, I think I might have zapped the, uh, the cyano with, with ChemiClean. And then eventually the dinos came back and it was just like, you know, it was one thing after another I was trying. I did some blackouts. I did peroxide. This was, um, you know, I, I, I really didn't do enough research at the time in terms of I didn't ID them under a microscope. So I didn't know what I was battling. I was just kind of, um, you know, trying a lot of different things that I had, uh, you know, read about. And, and that was the, uh, the wrong approach. But I, I don't question the uh, decision to break the tank down because the corals took a beating. And I think it would have taken a very, very long time for those corals, which pretty much were frags, to recover. So I made the choice to break the tank down for a couple of weeks and, and reboot it. And I used um, I Live Rock to, to reboot the tank. And it's, it's been very, very successful. And it was, it was um, you know, I'm glad I did it that way. But I think what, what's important for people to understand is to, you know, get an idea on them first, get a plan of attack based on the variety of dinos that you're fighting. And then go from there. But you know, hey, if you if you're uh, fortunate to get the free floating type, then it could be a relatively easy battle. But if you don't, yeah. then it it could be a long struggle. Do you um for the um for the types of dinos that can um, hello? Can you hear me? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you froze. Okay. Me. For the um for the type of dinos that um are in the rocks and the sand. Do you think it helps to remove the sand bed to go bare bottom? Yeah, it can. I did it in my tank, yeah. and I kept I kept dosing the silicates. Could, but what what we tend to see then is they get forced onto onto the rocks, the, the uh, large cell uh, amphidiniums, and then it's just uh, you know they get outcompeted by the silicates, and then it's, it, you start to see a reduction in the dinos, and you see an increase in the diatoms, and then we just keep checking, and then there comes a point where you know, you just can't you can't find a Dino anymore in the sample. It's all all diatoms, and that's the point to stop uh, to stop dosing. Right. So, if you had to give a new reef keeper advice in terms of what's the best thing, the best thing, what what are the things that you should be doing 
to prevent a dyno outbreak because usually you're going to see a lot of these uh, outbreaks in a new tank. But um, you know, if you had to give somebody advice in terms of starting a a new tank, what what would that advice be to try to avoid this problem altogether? What's what would be some top preventative tips? Uh, keep your nutrients uh, in line. So if it's a mixed reef, say between and uh, your your nitrates between 5 and 10 ppm and your phosphates between 0 0.05 and 0 0.1 uh, don't do everything slowly don't use LEDs. Add, add, yeah <laughs> turn your leds down a little bit you know it's it's that old thing you know how many people have a power meter at home on their tank and when you say to people have you ever tested the power on your tank no i just run the program right you know right yeah, I don't, I don't own a part meter, but I did rent one from um, BRS, and and you know it, it can be helpful. It's good information, um, folks. I just want to remind you that um, you know since Jason is uh, over in Holland right now, he's six hours ahead of us, and and uh, it's getting it's getting late fast over there. So we're gonna we're gonna wrap the show up in in about uh, nine ten minutes. And if you have any other comments or questions, just um, throw them in the chat. And we'll uh, we'll try to get those answered. So, Jason, what else? Yeah, I see I see one from Dan Sullivan. He said, uh, "I've had nothing but success with Elegance method, dosing through skimmer intake with constant microbubbling. I've had them three times already." He said. So, it just goes to prove a point. You know that you know they tend to come back on the on the Elegance method, and the the, the other Dino group is also a good group. And I'm all, like I said, I'm also uh, a moderator on there, and I, I help people on there as well. So what what's the name? What, I don't know if I mentioned the name of your group. It's uh, Max Reef is your Dino support group. What's the um, that's on Facebook? What's the other support group that's on Facebook as well? Yeah, that's uh, the Dino support group. It's for the Elegance uh, Elegance Corals. It's from a guy called the Cruz Ariz. He's a really nice guy. A really nice guy. Gotcha. So, Jason, what else that we haven't talked about that you think is important in terms of, uh, you know, dinos, in terms of the uh, preventive um, measures that you could take as well as, you know, tips for battling don't, them? Don't phytoplankton and copepods help support your tank's microbiology. Phytoplankton is the start of the food chain. So everything, everything above it needs that. Well, we don't need We need it to live as well. But you know what I mean? From the smallest microbe of that, the next one in line after the phytoplankton, everything's feeding off it after that. So it's a, it's a great source uh, to what, for your what, tank. Uh, what brand do you use in terms of that? Or do you make your own, grow your own? No, I, I don't make my own. I, again, I, I, I use Colombo, but uh, that's just the brand name over here in, in Europe. It's the easiest one for me to get. And I, I, I like it. I'm happy with it. Right. Yeah. Um, no, that's interesting. I, I think, um, and you're, you're also dosing what constantly pods. Yeah. Copepods. You're doing copepods. Uh, How often we, are you doing that? Well, I, I dose it two to three times on my, on my tank, but, uh, on my last tank, I had a, a couple of mandarins and, uh, so I was doing it for them as well, you know, but I, I, I make a point of just doing it, but I will say, Tis, we have, uh, it's biodiversity. The more biodiversity you have in your tank, the better it's going to be. So you can get amphipods, copepods, 
Yeah, you can, uh, Tisby pods have been seen to eat dinos. But yeah, getting Tisby pods over here in Europe is almost impossible. How often do you dose uh, the uh, copepods? pods? Uh, two to three times a week. Oh, really? But I, we have, uh, I have 100 mil sacks of, of uh, cocoa pods. So there's probably a couple of thousand in, in there or whatever. That's interesting because I didn't realize that you needed to, um, you know, constantly dose cocoa pods. I thought once you kind of put a whole bunch of pods in your tank that they'll just multiply on their own. Yeah, also, but uh, they'll also get eaten. It's also food. Right. Yeah. Um, what else? Um, yeah, you know, I, I guess um, it's, um, you know, for, for those of you that are, are, are battling, you know, this issue, I would recommend, um, you know, doing your homework and, and, you know, reaching out to Jason on uh, his um, support group on, on Facebook. Like we said at the top of the show, you're, um, you're helping, what'd you say, like eight to 10 people a, a day in terms of. I think we have now 3,300 wow. members in, in, a, in a year. I'm actually, I was actually, I, you know, I was happy when I had 30 members on the group when I started it a year ago. And I, I can't believe how fast the group has, has grown or, and how quickly we've, you know, we've got known. And uh, I think it's fantastic that we can reach so many people and, and, and help so many yeah, people. Yeah, listen, man, I, um, I commend you for, for providing that, uh, that service. It's, it's awesome. I know a lot of people can, can kind of, this is a very daunting issue and it probably is an issue that causes a lot of people to drop out of the hobby. It can be very, very frustrating. And, um, you know, some people battle these things for like year plus, right? I mean, it's not unheard of to be doing it for that long. No, no, you hear it quite a lot. But then again, people don't, you know, once you get an ID on which type it is, then we know how to deal with it. And then we can start correcting the, the, the issues. Yeah. All right, man. Well, listen, I, uh, I want to thank you so much for, for staying up late and, and being part of the, uh, the live stream. I'm sure uh, folks got a lot out of it. So any, uh, any final thoughts there, Jason? Uh not I think really. you've said it all in terms of right. You're probably probably getting a little tired talking about dinos all the time. You know what are you what are you getting out of this? You're just you're helping people out, so that's that's good karma for you, right? Yeah, but that, yeah, I don't make any money. I don't make profit. It's not about the money. Yeah, it's about awesome. helping people. All right. I don't care about the rest. All right, everybody. So listen. Um, Appreciate you tuning in, and uh, if you have any further uh, comments or questions for, for Jason, like I said, hit him up on his uh, Facebook page, or you can drop some comments in the, in the um, on the video here, and I can make sure that uh, Jason will, uh, will, will uh, see them. So that'll do it for this show. I want to give my uh, sincere thanks again to Jason for being on the live stream, and I also want to thank Marine Depot one last time for being a sponsor and supporting the show. Again, uh, hit up that liquidation sale. You'll get some awesome, awesome deals. And, and again, thanks to all you folks that have been uh, tuning in and watching the show. So my next live stream is going to be next Thursday, July 22nd at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Ben Johnson. Ben, who is a maintenance guru and is also co-host of the Reef Beef podcast. He was on the show uh, this past May with Rich and, and Tulio. That was a lot of fun. So... He'll be on again solo to talk about what he does in terms of tank husbandry and maintenance. So it should be another great show. Please tune in. Until then, 
be safe out there later. And uh, Jason, uh, get to bed.